1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great why we think they're awesome and why you should too. JP how you doing today man?
0: I'm doing fantastic. You know every now and then we talk about our eats. Yeah. So me and Rob just got back from lunch, had the mad Philly, mad went down Philly. To the mad Philly. We'll get a, we'll eventually get a sponsor for all the the Move food on. places that we mentioned, but yeah. had a tasty Philly sandwich. Got to tell the story about when I went to Philadelphia, ran the rocky steps, twisted my ankle half the way up. (laughs) Nothing says I'm an athlete like couldn't even make it all the Um, way up the rocky um, steps there in Philadelphia. Real champion. That's right, (laughs) athlete JP. Here we go. Um, But I did make it to the top. uh, Powered on through. We're never stopping. Just like us, we're going to never stopping.
1: We're going, we're going forever, going forever, right here in the middle of season three now. Just good and good and steady going in season three. Starting off a special month with this episode, uh, we're doing a special Black History Month month <laughs> uh, of of episodes. Uh, we wanted to bring you some of our, some of the songs by African American artists that have influenced us uh, and and that are important to uh, you know to 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 the music that we love. So we're going to take this month and uh, and talk about some of our favorite uh, you know black artists and. Uh, and see what we can get into in Black History Month. So just as a way to honor them and celebrate that month. Um, and we're so, kicking it we're off a doozy. Oh, man. Just, just a classic. Uh, Some old school and just all the just immediate groove and something feels so good. That's, that's a, what I'm trying to
0: say. We made a list because, you know, we'll have basically four for this month right that will and so we're like which ones have to make the list so this is the one that we were both like yeah, immediately
1: like this is the first one yeah like, this is the kickstarter for us so, so we hope you enjoyed as much as we have uh, really interesting story too i was not prepared for the levels of of good research on this song so i'm excited for this episode i know you are i know you will no nah, that's you right go. there we go i hope you guys are ready to pip because we about to pip Gladys night and the pips midnight train to georgia Let's take a listen LA. Too much for the man. Too much for the man. He couldn't make it. So he's leaving. He's come to know ooh. He said he's going He said he's going back to find Going back to find ooh, 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 What's left of this world The world he left behind Not so long Live in his word than live
0: without him in mind. World man. I've got to go. I've got to go. I know you will.
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm just gonna go ahead and say up front. My favorite thing about the song, like it tells a great story and it's very cool and great. My favorite thing is like the omniscient pips that are like you know what i'm saying it's like their god in this song you know what i'm saying <laughs> like i know you will like they're just they're like onlookers that uh-huh. happen to be involved in the story I, it's bizarre but i oh gosh i just love it there's so much so much of my research ended up at jokes about the pips that i can't wait to share like it's just great uh so midnight train to georgia B- recorded by Gladys Knight and the Pips and many others but this is from the 1973 album Imagination written by Jim Weatherly we'll talk more about him in just a minute uh, some charts and awards for you this is number 432 on Rolling Stone's top 500 songs list it won the 1973 Grammy Award for Best R&B Vocal Group Performance It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Billboard R&B chart, number 19 on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart, and it got, uh, it was one of many contributing factors that got Gladys Knight and the Pips inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996. What are your initial thoughts on this song? Just when you hear the song, what what's it doing? Groove, yeah, groove. Man, we were just even even swaying. listening back, uh, swaying immediately. I started doing the the sexy shoulders. You guys couldn't even see it, but I guarantee you felt it wherever you were. You felt the vibe, um, and the the bass. It's oh yeah, so so Probably funky. Bringing and it, man, oh. so good. Yeah, listen to this song. With headphones, yes, or, like exactly. don't listen to this song on your phone speakers. Listen to this somewhere and good, and listen to the bass player. Listen yep. to the bass. I, um, the way he gets to where he's going. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's money. Uh, Motown, like this was not a Motown record. This was a post-Motown record for them, but it's that era, that feel that that you know Motown and Memphis even were doing. It's uh, you know, very just indicative of that. This is a perfect time capsule of that kind of sound, of the of the Motown-ish uh, sound. Uh, let's get right into the song. I want to first talk about the writer of the song, and then we'll talk about Gladys and the Pips. Uh, James Dexter Weatherly, born 1943 in Pontotoc, Mississippi. Um, I tried to look up other notable people There were a few, mostly blues singers, actually, a few blues singers from Pontotoc, Mississippi, um, politicians. And then there was Max Palmer. Uh, He was a pro wrestler who wrestled as Paul Bunyan. He was very, very tall. He wrestled as Paul Bunyan and participated in Bible Crusades later in his life as the world's largest Christian. And evangelized across the USA. He's the biggest Christian, or he's the (laughs) biggest. Like like I'm the most Christian. I'm the most Christian person. I'm the largest (laughs) Christian. Yeah. Like, Uh, and he he evangelized across the United States as Goliath for Christ. Oh my goodness! So like he took he took the term of Goliath and turned it into a positive Goliath for Christ. Anyway, I thought that was amusing. Uh, has nothing to do with James Weatherly. He was just also from Pontotoc, Mississippi. He cut off his own head for Jesus. It's, yes, right. Uh, James Dexter Weatherly uh, was kind of he was kind of a crossover writer in country, R and B, and like easy listening, I guess, genres. Um, he, you know he he was essentially a country artist. And wrote what he considered to be basically country songs, but they were the kind of songs that could cross over. They just told stories, and you know that so that they got covered by people like Gladys Knight. You know, um, he looks exactly like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I don't know if you looked him up, but <laughs> I like, it,
0: look up. I bet you I could uh, throw this
1: football over that mountain. I, I mean, it, if you look at the if you look at the album cover uh, to uh, the people some people choose to love by Jim Weatherly, I swear it looks like. Uncle Rico's glamour shots. Like it's exactly (laughs) all you think. It's like, this can't be a real person. He's the template from which they lifted. I'm going to get up from my chair and go look at the computer over here. I'm going on the other side of the room. Come on. Look it up while you're, while you're listening, wherever you are, Google search the people, some people choose to love by Jim Weatherly. And you'll see, you'll see is, am I right (laughs) or am I right?
0: That's well said.
1: I mean, he's like, if if coach had just put me in, we'd have have made state. (laughs)
0: Anyway. It's like he's trying to be Burt Reynolds, exactly. but, but he's not
1: him. Oh like my god, He gosh. wants to be Burt Reynolds. Yes, he's discount Burt Reynolds. <laughs> he's Turt Ferguson. He's, yes, he's Turd Ferguson. Um, among other songs, uh, he also wrote Neither One of Us Wants to Be the First to Say Goodbye, uh, which was Gladys Knight and the Pips' last hit on Motown Records before scooting over to Buddha Records uh, and blowing up with this album. Um he also wrote the first hit on the Imagination album as well, which was called "Where Peaceful Waters Flow." Uh, so he, they kind of found a groove with him, you know. They kind of like we kind of dig this guy's, you know, this guy's stuff, and so let's let's uh, do some of his stuff. I want to say that also Buddha Records is, un- unless there's a wordplay somewhere that I'm missing, it's just misspelled. It's B U D D A H as opposed to B U D D H A. So maybe it's not about like. Buddha the guy the character the you know the whatever religious figure um maybe it's something else but um every time i see it it grabs me i'm like that's not how you spell buddha anyway a little bit about the song um i
0: got another fact on Jim. oh yes please uh do you know he was do you know how he came up with the song you, i don't know if yeah, maybe talk about it yeah we can say that for later no no no, no tell was, us yeah he was playing a uh, rec football yep. with his good buddy lee majors y'all would know lee majors the 6 million dollar man yep and, I know him as the
1: Fall guy. He oh, was, yeah. I was too. I was too young. Sure, right, born was, too late for the six million dollar man. <laughs> so when I was a kid, though, he was the Fall guy, and I had a coloring book. I remember. Oh, I had, that's fall, cool. I think I even had an action figure. Um, Maybe a van? Do you have a van? I don't know. Uh, the Fall guy. Van Mom down by the river. Mom out there. If you're listening, tell me what. Tell me what toys I had from the Fall guy. Okay, <laughs> thanks.
0: Yeah, go through my chest, my yeah. toy chest. <laughs> the uh, he was playing rec football with his good buddy Lee Majors, and he called and. Lee Majors was dating Farrah Fawcett, who y'all would know as a model. She was Jill Monroe on Charlie's Angels. Oh, there you go, yeah. She was Jill. Jill from Charlie's Angels. Um, And so he called, and Farrah Fawcett answered the phone and said she was on a midnight, or taking a midnight plane to Houston. And so that inspired this line. Uh, and he actually wrote this song, and I think it's ironically cut first by a lady named Sissy Houston. Yeah, which I think is neat yeah. that it was Whitney's been, mom. Yeah, was it really? Oh yeah,
1: yeah yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. I did not know that. Yes, Whitney's Whitney's mom, Sissy Houston.
0: I did not know that was uh was Whitney's mom. Sure enough. Oh well, yeah. how about that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and they and they changed it to Georgia. Right. Um, and a train. Yeah, train. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, no plane and train. They do yep. planes, trains,
1: and automobiles. Did you look up his version? No he, ha- the- he recorded it As Midnight oh. Plane to Houston
0: Oh he did I've never yes. heard him
1: do it You wanna hear it?
0: Sure Yeah, yeah Have yeah. a little Have a
1: L.A. <laughs> Proved too much for the girl So she's leaving To know
0: she's going back to find what's left of her world the world she left behind long ago,
1: How about that? Would you look at that? How about that? Goodness gracious. So strange. It's like, so down. It sounds like a joke now yeah. to hear somebody say, leaving on that midnight plane to Houston. And like, the speed, the feel, it's like, ah. Uh. Yeah. That goes to show you what a good second set of ears can do for a song. Mm-hmm. A good producer... Uh, or a good like A and R person maybe, or a can... good friend that's yeah. like, dude, that sucks. Here's what you need to do. You well, need... but even more so than that, like that, like okay, that's a f- whatever. It's fine. Yeah, right? it's it's a song. It's it would have probably been fine, right? And it's but somebody listened to that and said, listen, if we do op this thing a little bit, if we Motown this thing a little bit, we can really get have something there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Somebody got somebody took that and made this R and B classic out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's amazing, and it's like she it's, they were probably like,
0: don't listen to the original. We're yeah. going to give you the lyrics Forget and it. play this backing track. Yes. And you just sing when you want, where yeah. you want, how you want make up your own medley melody. Yeah. It's melody, so different. And yeah. just
1: enroll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's really interesting. Um, and then of course, yes, uh, Sissy Houston, who is in fact, Whitney's mother. That's not a joke. Uh, recorded it in 1972. Didn't take off, uh, the same, the same way that this one did. Uh, this is from the 1973, like it was a year apart, you know? So, um, But, um, and basically, I mean, the story of the song is, um, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the song as though it's the Gladys Knight version. Like we've changed gender roles here, um, you know, as, as the recording changed. But so basically the story of the song is, well, he sucks, but I love him, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. like, uh, you know, he, he moved out here to LA to try and be a star and he's just terrible at it. So he's going back home. I guess I'm, I guess I'm going with him. You know, I love him. He's terrible. So. (laughs) That's basically, in a nutshell, the lyric of this song. Like, L.A. was too much, too much for the man, you know? So, um, there's not much else to it as far as, like, themes, you know? There's not, like, really layers to the thing. It's just, I love this loser. Yeah, like, yeah. He Man, he, he sucks at acting or music, whatever it was he went out to L.A. to find, you know, to be part of, uh... He's got, he's got awful at it, but he's my man. Yeah. You know? So I guess, I guess he's going to drag me back too. I like, I'm in this life, uh-huh. right? It's like, it, but I'd rather live in his world than live without him in mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving up my LA life and I'm going back to Georgia with my little loser hus- husband or <laughs> boyfriend, whatever, you know, this is crazy. Uh, but it's very sweet. You Yeah. Know? It's loyal. I like some loyalty. Yeah. It's true. It's it's stand by your man. It's the Motown stand yeah, by your good. man. That's good. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's a, a some of you young girls out there have a lot to learn
0: from this here song. Right.
1: This here song. That's right. Boys too. That's right. Um, yeah. Depending on who's singing it. Yeah. Um, so now we can talk a little bit about um, about the artist. I've got a little bit of music theory, but maybe I'll save it. Uh, just one thing. Um, let's talk about Gladys Knight and the. Pits. Yeah. Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet. The- It's time to
0: meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band. Gladys Knight, the Pips. We'll start, obviously, with Gladys Knight, um, the Empress of Soul. Yeah. Um, She's also on That's What Friends Are For, Formed the Pips, uh, named after her cousin, James Pip Woods, or J.P. Woods. Great name. Great name. Great name. Um, early Pips history. Um, they released "Hurt to the Grapevine" before Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Um, so, but he recorded it. Or I, he just uh, had a, a little bit better, uh, more notoriety with his his version. Um, got a gig in '73, opening for Diana Ross and the Supremes on the Motown tour. Um, also the same year Released Midnight Train to Georgia 73 mm-hmm. she divorced from her then husband James Newman And married Barry Hankerson Who's the uncle of Aaliyah And famous record Oh really? Producer. Yep, yep.
1: Know that Barry Hankerson you say Barry Hankerson oh, Man that sounds like a That sounds like a side character From a sitcom Or a like a rom-com movie You know what I mean? Like Ned Ryerson yeah, Ned Is what R- it makes me Needle think of Needle nose from,
0: Ned yeah. <laughs> yeah I know right Ned the hit Yeah I know right That's That's really good um, he. It sounds like a. It sounds like a really white name too. Yeah, is Barry Hankerson. Barry Hankerson. Anyway, yes, he a uh, famous record producer of the Winans, Tony Braxton, R. Kelly, um, also had a big hit with uh, "License to Kill" for the '89 James Bond theme. Yeah, which prompts a question who's your favorite James Bond? How many can you name? Can you do a lot of the James Bonds? Oh, yeah,
1: sure, sure. I think I can name them all. Of course, you got Daniel Craig most recently. Let's go backwards in time. Okay, you're going to go backwards. Yeah, I'll go Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Uh, You had uh, Pierce Brosnan before him. Pierce Brosnan. Uh, You had Roger Moore. Roger Moore. uh, 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 Dalton. Timothy uh, Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you had, there was one guy that only did one, and his name was... George Lazenby Oh
0: my gosh Ooh. Rob for the win That's amazing And then you
1: had Sean Connery Sean Connery
0: That's great I'm, I'm shocked right now So that was well done I would not have even, never Gotten George Lazenby I'm not a Bond Aficionado I just I, I Happened to Just random knowledge Pop culture dude, that was, trivia That was yeah. money Who's the, Connery the
1: best Obviously to you or I mean you? yeah Well to me I, have, I, have, I haven't seen I don't know if I've seen Any of the old Bond movies I've seen scenes And you okay. know Memes You uh-huh. know basically Would account to it But you know I've seen all the day Craig movies and I enjoy them, mm-hmm. um, but I've never gone back and watched the others. I, I don't even think I think I've only seen one of the Pierce Brosnan ones.
0: I can't believe you got George That's uh, right. That's awesome. Um, she was in a movie back to Di- or back to Gladys Knight um, in a movie with called Pipe Dreams with her then husband Barry Hankerson. Um, had a gambling addiction in the 80s, pretty bad. And one night in 1980, she lost $60,000 at a Baccarat table. It's pretty impressive. Not Baccarat,
1: not Bert Baccarat. Not Bert Baccarat,
0: yeah. But, yeah. Baccarat.
1: That's, that's Charles Barkley levels of issues. Of, yeah, that's of, good. You know, that's of issues. Great
0: comparison. Yeah.
1: Um, so take it's Gladys Knight. Take it easy out there at the tables, will you guys? Um, I know you said you had a
0: little stuff on the pips. I'll name who they are, and then if yeah. you have anything to throw in. Uh, sure. Merrill Bubba Knight, her brother, um, Eddie Patton, her cousin, and William Guest, another cousin. What,
1: yeah, uh, I, I just didn't. I didn't know that Gladys Knight and the Pips was a family band. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? I just thought it was like Gladys Knight and some friends. The Pips, yeah, Gladys just Knight backing, and some backing people. Backing you them. know, sometimes I feel like the the backing bands, uh, backing vocal groups are prefabricated. Like they don't come like that organically. You sure. know what I'm saying? Uh, but this is more like. They were, a, they were a group, and then she kind of emerged as the front person. You know what I'm saying? It's they would sing
0: of, it, like, you picture them singing it, family things. For exactly, that's how they started. Like
1: they, started at, uh, they started singing in, uh, like, birthday parties. There was a, um, I'm trying to find it, I, but it, uh, basically their first performance was they were at a birthday party where the record player broke. And so they just up and started singing some stuff and then they started doing local talent shows and that kind of thing. And that's how they got signed. Um, So they were literally just a family group, but Gladys kind of emerged as the leader. She was the, she was kind of the Beyonce of the, you know, of the group. And so rather than just, um, break up, they decided to, uh, back her. back her. Yeah. Instead of, you know, instead of, okay, Beyonce is going to go do her solo thing and we'll all go do our solo things. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I didn't just, I didn't know they were all. Brothers and sisters and cousins, um, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, on drums,
0: Andrew Smith played drums with The Temptations, Supremes, and The Four Tops. If you're going to play drums with I any... Mean, I mean, that's the... From that era, that's who you pick. On bass, the aforementioned Bob Babbitt um, rated the number 59 top bassist ever on Rolling Stone. Well, that's solid. Pretty pretty high rank. He's Hungarian-American. Okay, okay. Some of the hits that he's played on... Dude, this guy's played... He played on "Signs Still Delivered, Stevie song. Yeah. Tears of a Clown, Smokey Robinson. War, Edwin Starr song. Solid. I Got a Name, Jim Croce. And he played on the Jimmy uh, Jimi Hendrix Crash Landing album. Really? So, like, that's... This guy's been
1: around. Like, yeah. that's... Those are... Those are... Uh, home runs. Yeah. This guy's played on. The, the, the whole system... I, I guess... We've never really talked about this, but... You know, back in the 60s, especially... Uh, 50s and 60s, early... Early American pop music, uh, you would have backing bands that worked for a studio or worked for a record label, and they would just they would be the band for all the artists that would come in. It was easier for the it saved time and overhead to get a band that could play together and read things well and and you know learn charts quickly and do them professionally, and just have a singer come in and sing over the top of them. So you would have bands like this that would be. They're on a gazillions of records. You know what I mean, like the Wrecking Crew. Uh, there's, you know, cool documentary on the Wrecking Crew, and they would. Bob Babbitt was a Funk Brother. He was okay. one of the Funk Brothers. Yeah, so, so that you end up with these with these bands that are, uh, you know, together and have played on tons of records that you don't know any of them because they weren't like quote unquote bands. Now many of them later, you know, turned into bands. Some of them did like Booker T and the MGS, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, but it's you end up finding this wealth of information of like, oh, he played on. Gah, 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 mm. All these, you know, eighteen, you know, hundred records or whatever, uh, and got like no credit because he was just working for the studio, you know. Like it's not; they don't get royalties. They're not songwriters, you know, on this stuff. They just they just go in, kill it, you know, and play on five people's records a week, and then, yeah, and
0: then you know. Whereas, like the Pips is the backing singing group. The Pips isn't the band. Like right. Isn't this band? Yeah. It's, he's a he's a studio musician. That's yeah. Real
1: the the well life phrased. of a studio musician, man.
0: Um, On guitar, Jeff Marinov played a 55-strat on this song. Mm. Looked up and saw the the gear that he played. He played with, again, very similar. James Taylor, Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, Paul Simon, Shaka Khan, Steely Dan, Ringo Starr, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, this guy's played with... That's a pretty well... If you're going to get signed off by some people, those are are good to play with. Um, On piano, Tony Camillo or Camillo. It's two L's, so I hope Mm. I'm not botching it. Uh, Played with Supremes, Peaches and Herb, Grand Funk Railroad, and his band, Bazooka, had a hit called Dynamite. So there you go. <laughs> All right.
1: They kind of just like explosions. <laughs> Everything they did was about explosions.
0: That's right. Powie. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the band. Uh, that's the, the meet the
1: band section. That's so cool. Um, I wanted uh, talking about the bass a little bit, um, if, you, if you go back and listen, he is using a, a technique um, that is called fat back bass. And it's where... Okay, so getting a little bit into into the production process here. Um the kick drum, which is the when you when you hear the boom kuh, boom boom kuh, it's that low drum, right? The pulse is called the kick drum or the bass drum. And um it and the bass guitar often live in the same territory as far as frequencies. Okay, so they're both really low frequencies um sounds, right? And uh, it's easy for a kick drum and a and a bass guitar to kind of muddy each other up because they because they hit at the same time. Part of what your bass uh, player, your bass guitar player, normally does is kind of matches up the kick drum pattern. So if your so if your kick if your drummer's going, boom, kuh, da, boom, boom, kuh, your your bass player a lot of times is going boom boom boom, you know, and matching pretty pretty similarly what the kick drum is playing. The problem with that is though that they they occupy the same territory. Uh, sonically, and while it's good for them, they become the foundation of the rest of the music. Uh, they can get muddy. So what bass players started doing, and this is harder, well, it's about as hard as you would imagine it would be. Bass players develop this technique called fatback, where they basically play a fraction of a beat behind so that the kick drum gets to hit and get its sonic space. And then the bass note comes like, unless you're listening for it, you can't tell that it's behind. Okay. But if I start this again and you listen to the, just the, just the kick drum and the bass, uh, take a listen and see if you can hear the bass just ever so slightly behind. And he plays every note he plays is just dragging behind the beat just a little bit. Okay. Just take a listen. This is fat back bass in action. it's so crazy i don't know you may not even be able to hear it it's if but a lot of times especially now it's it's really hard to distinguish because it just sounds like it's taking the attack off yeah well that, so that's what it does it gives the it gives that attack to the kick drum mm-hmm. it says basically you can have this and your ear assumes that that note was there to begin with when you hear it. You know what I'm saying? Your ear fills in that space and it sounds like they hit together. But actually the bass is a little bit behind. Um, this is achieved now in modern production. Uh, almost, I don't think there's a ton of people who are still doing th- that. Uh, it's hard to do. You have to think about every note, placing it, you know what I'm saying? It's just like a 30 second behind the beat or less, but still staying in the pocket, but still staying in the pocket. Exactly. Still grooving and playing cool stuff, but being just off the beat. Uh, now you could achieve the same thing by literally just digitally it. shifting yeah. it over. Um, but that, that same concept of freeing up sonic space for the drums is, is achieved now, uh, often by a process called uh, parallel compression, which is, I'm not going to get super into this cause it's dorky, you know, for most of our listeners, but, um, where a you ever heard that you have heard like dance music where you've had you got a kick drum that's going boom 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 and you've got you've got synth parts that are going you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. like absolutely okay, so that is done where a, a lot of times what what is happening is the actual synth sound that's being played is just bang and they do a thing that's called parallel compression where basically the uh, the synth track listens to the kick drum track. And wherever it hears the sound of the kick drum, it fades, it out. fades out and fades back oh, up. That's cool. And that's how you get that in like dubstep, electronic music, and even on bass guitar, they'll run parallel co- compression on bass guitar to make room for the kick drum. That's and cool. It's also the same. It's called ducking in a lot of things. Uh, it, it, on the radio, when you hear um, you know, a DJ talking over music, the music automatically ducks under him. That's parallel or her, uh, that's parallel compression so that you can, it still keeps the music present, but they can talk over it. So anyway, that's I neat. use it on a podcast that's it right. it here all the time. Good call. Fat back bass. That's a good lesson. New I yeah. like that. <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry. I kind of took the whole thing there.
0: No, that's good. Um, Got some on covers. Do we want to jump into covers yet? Or? Sure,
1: yeah, why not? Okay. Actually, no. Just a little bit more on Gladys Knight. I've got just a little bit more before we move on and talk talk uh, a little bit about the album. Um, seven Grammys and 22 nominations for Gladys Knight. She's a legend. She. I feel like she's often, oh, maybe overlooked is the wrong word, but she's not necessarily thought of in that upper echelon. Maybe I could be wrong about With this but like Diana Ross, Aretha, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I, you know who knows. Um, but she's had seven Grammys, twenty-two nominations, eleven number one R&B singles, six number one R&B albums, uh, two number one Billboard Hot One Hundred singles, and she's listed on Rolling Stone's Greatest Singers of All Time at number fifty-one, sandwiched between number fifty-two Brian Wilson of okay. the Beach Boys and number fifty Bonnie Raitt. Wow. How about that? Good That's on props your Bonnie, to Bonnie, Bonnie. Yeah, like I mean, I wouldn't have thought Bonnie
0: as the singer that high. Yeah, Man, I, I guess she's strong vocalist. Oh
1: yeah, and she's got such a cool voice. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would not have said. I would not have pegged her I wouldn't to make her that the... list ahead of Gladys Knight. Well, I wouldn't have put her in the top 100, even. Yeah. I mean, that's it's awesome. pretty impressive. Good on Bonnie. Um, the t- You want to hear the top 10? Sure, give me the top okay. 10. This is Rolling Stone's Top 10 Greatest Singers of All Time. Okay. Uh, Number 10, James Brown. There's, there's kind of a theme running through these top 10, by the okay. way, that you'll notice. Number 10, James Brown. Number 9, Stevie Wonder. Number 8, Otis Redding. N- number 7, Bob Dylan. What? What? Okay, he's the he's the outlier in this top 10. singer. I think that's a matter of probably influence or... Style? Because just I'm singer, fine. I'm... Okay. He's all... I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I'm, so, he's, they, 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 you know, yeah. I mean, that's about it. Thanks for stopping by, Bob. I, me and um, dad
0: went to see Bob Dylan. I don't know if I told you that story. No. And yeah, we were so excited and he... Had just put out a new album, Uh and it's bad enough (laughs) if you're seeing Bob Dylan and you know the words. Uh But imagine going to see Bob Dylan and you don't know (laughs) the words to the song. Yeah, it was just an hour and a half of what (laughs) is he saying? Yeah, yeah. I was like, please just do like a Rolling Stone, please. Uh, But yeah, anyway.
1: Hey, got I got a new song Mm -hmm. for you. Hope you enjoy. Okay, Um, anyway, so uh, but okay, James Brown, Stevie Wonder, Otis Redding. Bob Dylan, Marvin Gaye, John Lennon, Sam Cooke, Elvis, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin. Holy cow! Where's the pattern? You know know what I'm saying? Like, speaking of Black History Month, James Brown, Stevie Wonder, Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin. Eight of the top ten. Yeah, eight of the top ten uh, greatest singers of all time, according to Rolling Stone. So, um, and this, by the way, this list was compiled in 2010. So it's not one of those things that like came out right right after Aretha Franklin died. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that often happens. Like Mm -hmm. people get bumped up after they, you know, after they pass.
0: Tom Petty was the greatest guitar player ever. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, He knew three chords.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Let's talk. uh, I have a little bit about the album Imagination. Um, It uh, mostly just mostly just what it did. It had four certified gold or better hits. 30 seconds real
0: quick yeah my math was terrible it was seven out of ten.
1: Oh, was it seven i, I just took your word for no, it
0: that's cool i was had, i was oh, going yeah. back because
1: elvis, elvis lennon, lennon and dylan Dill- Dill- i was like
0: how did i i know there was anyway
1: go yeah. ahead. as we <laughs> so, move on well all right we'll do a math history month sometime <laughs> it'll be the worst month in the history of the show <laughs> let me tell us why we love the number six everybody <laughs> okay. and then we'll really mean five yeah um so yeah, the album "Imaginations" had four certified gold or better hits. That's a good, solid album. Like most people, cannot say that they ever had four certified gold hits. That's a hundred thousand records or more, I believe. Um, so solid. Those hits were uh, "Where Peaceful Waters Flow," uh, the aforementioned "Midnight Train," "Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me," um, which I didn't. I had heard before. I didn't know it was a Gladys Knight and the Pips song, uh, but it's been covered by a lot of people, including Ray Price. The kind of he was like a country country crooner. I don't know if you know him, Ray Price. I'm not familiar. Um, Ray Parker Jr. I know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Ray Price is- uh, and there's a cover by this is funny. This is covered by my favorite worship leader, Lyndall Cooley, uh, who is you know in in the in the Christian world is is a, is a you know worship leader and a pastor. Um, he's got a cover of this on one of his worship albums. That sort of you know it aims the lyric a different way. You know what I'm saying? But it's the it's the same song. Um, and then one that I had no idea, I knew a cover. I definitely knew the cover. Uh, I've got to use my imagination, which Joe Cocker covered on the One Night of Sin album that we have uh, previously covered. Uh, I had no idea that, you know, I, I'd never heard another version. So I just always assumed that, like, I didn't think he wrote that or anything, but I didn't know it was a Gladys Knight and the Pips cover. It was really interesting to hear on, on her album as I was listening to it. I was like, oh, wait, I totally know this song. But um, it, was a, it was a gold hit for them, so really interesting. Um, according to whose story you read, Gladys Knight was the first person to suggest to the head of Motown Records, uh, who was Barry Gordy, that he sign the Jackson 5. Oh, wow. Um, traditionally, that accolade has kind of been attributed to Diana Ross, um, but that has been pretty well debunked as like kind of a publicity thing to get them some airplay it was like Diana Ross's proteges the Jackson 5 you know what i mean so like they kind of shined had a up bigger name yes exactly they they shined up the Jackson 5 with her name and that proximity got them some extra love from DJs you know people who gave them a chance who m- might not have beforehand cuz it's like you know because Diana Ross's proteges the Jackson 5 is a lot sexier than here's five little kids singing a new song called yeah. abc yeah you know yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not super that's attractive like so um but uh, there's, a, there's a couple of other people who who lay claim to that. And uh, I don't think Gladys Knight's out there making a big deal out of it. But but a lot of what I read said that she was actually the first person to go, you should check out this group, the Jackson Five. Um, so pretty interesting. Um, a few things about it. I told you I had a lot of uh, stuff on the pips just from pop culture um, that I just, I love. I can't, it's one of those things that I can't listen to this song without thinking of these things. Okay. So I, I have to bring them up on the show. Um <clears throat> First of all, there, there are three or four, um, basically like video, video sketches of people doing stuff about the pips that I, that are just hilarious. The first was on the Richard Pryor show, uh, in 1980. And it was a, it was a, he, Richard Pryor was doing his first like big comedy special for networks and, um, he had the pips, but no Gladys. And so uh, the Pips are just singing. They're, they basically do a medley uh, of Gladys Knight and the Pips song without it's, the lead, with, without the lead vocal. That's there's just a there's just a a mic stand with a spotlight on it and nobody behind it. And they're just up there doing their like <laughs> dance moves and you know singing their background lines with with no lead vocal. That's amazing. Um, it's really pretty impressive. Um, and then there are two connections to Ben Stiller. Do you okay. know either one of these? Uh uh-uh. uh No. Okay. The first is, um, is from the the Ben Stiller show. Uh-huh. Okay, there was in the early 90s. Great before, show. Does a great Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh, gosh. Legends of Springsteen Legends is Springsteen hilarious. late Springsteen is money. If you've never checked out the Ben Stiller show, go watch it. I may have even said that before. Uh, before he blew up as Ben Stiller. Rob was,
0: introduced me to the Ben Stiller show because really? you used to have it on DVD. Yeah, still do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. sure.
1: When we were roommates together. It's right. probably on Hulu or something now. Man, it's, but it's good. It's uh, Janine Garofalo and Andy Dick and Bob Odenkirk and Ben Stiller. You can't go wrong. Yeah. It's, um, it's, so... But yeah, it's really funny that they're like they have a they have a backing group called Vanilla Heat, and uh, it's it's him and Bob Odenkirk and uh, Andy Dick, and they're trying to get auditions, and they basically they're saying that they're that they are being discriminated against, but it's really because they're awful, and um, so it's them just trying to sing all this stuff. Let me play just a little bit of it.
0: I mean, we've been in LA for eight eight years. For, we've been in LA for eight years, and we have yet to get job one question what's wrong with this picture answer when it comes to backup singers if you don't look a certain way an invisible wall goes up
1: come on four for nothing four three two he said he's going
0: bye bye going back to fine nail that spin kim yeah, it's nail that spin
1: the music industry is a hall of mirrors. And for some reason, we have not been invited in. Well, the reason is plain and simple. The reason is, if you don't, you know, if you're not a hot chick in spandex who's willing to shake your rump, you know, and flaunt it, then forget it. You need not apply. ready to take that ride. Yes, he's gonna be right by his side. So, yeah, the uh, Ben Stiller show... They're basically if you're not if you're not a hot chick, you can't get a gig in this town. But really, they're just awful. Um, so I always thought that was funny. I always thought the concept of hearing some of these phrases out of context is just ridiculously funny. You know what I'm saying? Like a superstar, but he didn't get far. Yeah. Like that's a little hokey in the song, uh-huh. but for some reason, it works. Like it, you know, it works with the song. Um, it, so a few a few years after that. Um, Uh, Well, I say a few years, a great many years after that, really. In 2008, uh, American Idol, on one of their finale shows, uh, I can't remember exactly which season it was, but uh, the 2008 season, um, it was when uh, Tropic Thunder came out. You remember the movie Tropic Thunder? Mm -hmm. They did a thing with uh, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, and Robert Downey Jr. Jr. as the pips. And um, they used footage of Gladys Knight from the original video and then intercut them as the pips with the original backing track so it's not them being awful is not the joke it's just the funniness of seeing ben stiller and jack black and robert downey jr downey jr by the way is crushing it he's playing it totally straight okay like ben stiller plays it a little bit like um a little bit clunky a little bit awkward um jack black of course plays it over the top right he's like adjusting his pants and you know and doing the like you know all that stuff And, um, but Downey Jr. Just plays it totally straight. He could have been one of the pips. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) he's totally cool. And he gives this look when they do the, I know you will. He gives this look to like the, to the camera. That's just like, it it looks so like grandfatherly. You know what I mean? See, it's like, it's like, I'm proud of you. It's just, (laughs) it's, it's so funny. Like just go back and watch it. If you can, But don't watch Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Don't watch (laughs) skip Tropic Thunder, but watch this, uh, you know, search for it on YouTube. Um and uh, yeah it's it's really amusing and then there's another great uh, example of this uh, of this song use of this song in pop culture from my favorite sitcom of all time which would be Thirty Rock did you ever watch Thirty Rock
0: a little bit not much
1: <clears throat> Tina Fey I'm a, and... I'm a big Tina Fey guy um so Thirty Rock is Tina Fey Tracy Morgan uh Jack McBrayer um and Jack McBrayer plays a character named Kenneth Parcell, Kenneth Ellen Parcell. And he's from Stone Mountain, Georgia, and he's just a big hick. And his whole character is, is just very naively Southern, you know, um, whatever. And so he, at one point is, is going to move back home from New York and uh, so they do this whole thing. The, the premise of 30 Rock is that it's it's basically a comedy based on the behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live. Um, and so it's a weekly live TV show that they're producing. Gladys Knight was on the show that week as like their musical guest. And, uh, and so anyway, they start doing this thing at the end of the episode where he's supposed to go back to, to Georgia and all the cast of characters, Tracy Morgan is singing you know, the first verse of of Midnight Train to Georgia. And um, so they're going you know, they change it to New York, prove too much for the man. But everything else they play play straight and like his entourage is they're the pips and stuff. And anyway, at the end of it they all get yelled at by Gladys Knight. And it's just really funny. It's it's you know, it's hard to convey this stuff by uh by video. Talking about it. Yeah. But uh um yes, it's by audio. It's hard to convey by audio. But yeah, go take a take a take a gander on that one too. It's on uh, Hulu, I think now. It was on Netflix forever, but Thirty Rock is on Hulu now so you can check it out. It is called the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell. I think is the name of that episode. Um, I could be wrong. Anyway, um, I, are there any other notable Pips? Like uh, I just, those three? If that's true. well, I was thinking. I was just trying to think if there are other like I was thinking like Pips in literature or like uh, like there's oh I, like Pip like that's the name of somebody yeah like, like I, I could think of two okay I, I don't know how, off the top of my head I thought of um, Pip from Lord of the Rings uh-huh. uh, Peregrine Took who they call Pippin or Pip, right? Uh-huh. And then there is um, Philip Pirrip from A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. Uh, he 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 goes by Pip. The opening sentence of the book. I'm sorry, that's not a *Tale of Two Cities*. *Great Expectations*. *Great Expectations* is opens with him saying, "My basically my first name was Philip and my last name was Pipper. And when I was a kid, I all I could all I could make of it was Pip. And so I started calling myself Pip, and that's what everybody calls me now.
0: I feel like Michael Jordan could have called Scotty Pip in that Pip. That, oh, guarantee. That would have been a good. Yes. Short name. For Absolutely
1: him. Pip. Yes, true. Um, That makes me think of, you know who the worst nickname giver of all time is? No. Um, Chris Berman? No. (laughs) uh, But baseball related. Uh, Bobby Cox, former manager of the Atlanta Braves, longtime manager of the Atlanta Braves, Hall of Famer. Number six. He would just basically take your last name and put a Y on it. So like (laughs) if like he would call you. Jonesy. He'd call yeah Jonesy. He'd call you Mosey. You know what I mean? Whatever he, I don't know. He got, I don't know what he would call me. McGriffy. Yeah. He would call me Robbie. Yeah. Freddie. He would just, you know what I'm saying? Like Uh literally every person you'd listen to him, you see him in the dugout, he'd be clapping, you know, and be like, you know, um, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of some random brave, uh, you know, Andres Galarraga. He'd be like, you know, come on, Goggy. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what he would call it. You know, but uh, yeah, literally that's like every nickname I've ever heard him use for a player. He would just put Y on the end of their actual name. And, you know, <laughs> had nothing to do with like their personality or their character. You know, it wouldn't be like, you know, Andres Galarraga was called the big cat. Yeah. You know, like, okay, that's cool. But he would just put a Y on your name. It's like, you're really not trying. You know, that's you, can a lazy just, uh... you can just call me by my name. That's fine. You don't have to give me some weird affectation to make me feel like you care about me. You know, you can just <laughs> call me Rob, you know, it's fine. Like I'll be, I'll be motivated. It's fine. Uh, you got anything else on the song on the Pips on Gladys Knight? Got some the covers thing we could talk about. Let's talk covers. about covers. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Aretha Franklin did one uh, a little more, a little more updated, a little more poppy. Yep. Uh, Joan Osborne did one. It's a pretty country kind of alternative, pretty white. Uh, no, the <laughs> whitest version ever. I'd have to go to Neil Diamond. Ooh. Um, anybody that says leaving the whitest version
1: since the original?
0: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Not to live out a uh, Mr. Not to live Weatherly Jim Weatherly. There. Yeah. Uh, anybody that says leaving,
1: leaving, yeah, yeah. you, know, you che- got to leave the G off there. Too much emphasis
0: man. on the G. My favorite cover though is probably Joss Stone's. Have you heard? Oh Joss no,
1: let's look, take a look, listen.
0: Check it, check it, listen to it. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, here is Midnight Train to Georgia by Joss Stone. He's leaving, leaving on the midnight train to Georgia. On the midnight train, <laughs> said he's going. Back. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty solid. It's like a, it's a little bit more chill, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, little it's, little got, it's faithful back. to the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if uh, it's like it's like a stoned version of it's the
0: coffee shop version.
1: Yeah, kind of is. Yeah, it's kind like the... we let a full band in a coffee shop, and uh-huh. this is what they came out. Here's your with, brushes,
0: yeah. and here's your exactly.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's nice. Um, I, the one thing I love about this song, music theory wise, it's a pretty basic song. You know what I mean? It's it's a one three minor two five kind of you know kind of deal. Um, but uh, on the chorus, when they hit that section. Uh, when the lyric says, leave it on, like they don't say this a hundred times. <laughs> so when she goes at the middle of the chorus, um, he's leaving, and they go, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, I'll be with him, and then they go, I know you will, which is just hysterical. I love that. <laughs> um, and then they go, the next time the pips say, leave it on the midnight train to Georgia, woo woo, that section. Oh, let train to Georgia. Leave it on right here. Hey, hey, that chord. All right, that chord right there is a is a two seven chord. We're in the key of D flat for this, so that's going to be an E flat seven, an E flat nine chord. Actually, if you include the vocals, um, and that's uncommon. Uh, naturally, you would get an E flat minor chord in this, um, and some the two is minor, right? Typically. the two yeah. yeah be naturally occurring as a minor chord, um, but and sometimes you'll get a a, a major two chord if you're you know, if you're going to the five or whatever, in this case, so they have a nine chord, which we've never really talked about before. You hear nine chords a lot in blues, um, and soul and gospel as well, R and B. Uh, but like when you hear a blues song, typically, if you hear just a standard blues song, it's full of nine chords. Uh, and basically what the way a nine chord is built, if you start stacking up, uh, notes to make extended chords, right? So a basic chord is made up of one, three, five of that. So you would have like E flat, G, B flat to make an E flat triad. When you start extending notes, it goes nine, 11, uh, seven, nine, 11, 13. So it's like it's every other note you're adding, you're a- adding, you know, a note to add color to the chord. So you would have E flat, G, B flat. The seven is going to be a D flat. And then the nine is an F. Okay. So basically what you end up with if you if you look at that on a piano, you would probably notice that it's basically a B flat minor chord over an E flat. So you've got the a B flat which is the 5, D flat which is the 7, and an F which is the 9. That is my like Equation of how I think of it's a, a nine neat way chord. to play that. That's yeah, a
0: cool way. To, it's easier for me to think
1: than exactly. trying to think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. And better. if you, if you, um, I don't know if I can explain so if you this. So you play right, a but,
0: minor five. Yes, a minor five over the two. Correct. Um, um, yeah,
1: minor five. five. So if you think of it That's as good. a, I think of I learned music theory by thinking about math. As we, which is weird because we've already talked in this episode about how much we suck at math. Um, <laughs> but I, but I you know I would take like okay you know, an X nine chord. Okay. If I think about, if I think, think about an X nine chord, um, so X would be in this case, E flat. So I would say, uh, you know, X nine equals, and then I would go, uh, f- uh flat, um, five minor over X, mm-hmm. right? So any chord that chords five minor over that note mm-hmm. is the nine chord of that note. So like G minor over C, is mm-hmm. a C nine, yeah, right? That that kind of that's thing. That's a good way to do that. Um, and so it helped me so, to understand. Like, go ahead.
0: No, that that's good. So. Yeah.
1: So that, that helped me to understand like how these chords are built, and um, and then you can kind of apply them to whatever key instead of having to memorize. Okay, an E flat chord is you know E G B flat D flat F. You don't that you can't think that fast enough, right? You just got to know an E flat chord is built like this. And so I can apply that anywhere you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I can apply it doesn't matter what the name of the chord is if I know if I know I can play the five minor chord relative to that root note then I know I can play the nine chord um, if you're in like it the typical way you play a nine chord on uh, guitar I know we're losing people whatever I oh, made, this is good. I'm, I'll edit this out maybe uh, but uh, you know if you play a nine chord on guitar like you're gonna play blues um, if you think the sixth string your low e string as your root let's say a c nine chord uh, do this, go grab, grab your guitar at home or in your car, wherever you're listening right now, (laughs) maybe you're on a bus subway, (laughs) pull out your guitar and, uh, you, you would put the, put the root and then you put three notes above it to make a nine chord. And those three notes, if you just take away the, the root and play those three notes together, it's, it would be a G, uh, minor chord, just a G minor triad over that C. And that makes the sound of a classic blues nine chord. So Anyway, that's that's, cool. that's my music theory note for this uh, this song. I just thought we've gotten this long and haven't really talked about that chord, and it's such a great chord. It's so useful in a lot of situations because it doesn't. It's useful in a way that allows you to use it. It it doesn't sound overly major, uh, and it doesn't sound minor. It's got its own unique flavor, um, and so I'm trying
0: to think of another time when it's used as the second chord, since we're go if we went like one. Yeah. So you could hear it. I'm just trying to think, and I could be way off, but maybe the, what's the the CeeLo Green song, the Forget You song? So you yes. have your one, uh, nah, 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 that second With chord. The, nah, nah. Yeah. So that's like a, it would typically be a minor chord right. there, which would Correct. be two minor, but that would be... Yeah. a major usage of that, exactly. where that would fit. Yeah.
1: It's technically it's technically a major chord but often because of the way the chord is spelled it doesn't come off as super major. It's missing the note that would make the chord sound major because of the way you voice it. That's cool. Yeah. So, like anyway, we learned that. All right. Well, if you're still stuck around to the episode, <laughs> we just want to say Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Great Song Podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out online. Go to greatsongpodcast.com. We've got the full uh, archives of all three seasons up to this point. We've got some brand new merch available for you. We hope you uh, check that out. If you want to support the show, merch is a great way to do it. We got t shirts, hoodies, long sleeve, short sleeve, tank tops, all the things. Uh, so go get yourself some merch and show people that you love the show. Send us a picture too if you if you get some merch and you get it in the mail. Uh, show us That'd a picture of cool. you wearing it. We'd love for you to model it for us and and uh, you know let us show the world how much you love the show. Uh, check us out on Facebook, the Facebook group Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. On Twitter at Great Song Pod, I'm at Worship Nerd. JP's at Penny Trader Ten. And if you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, wherever you are, Podbean, Spotify, thanks so much. Give us a review. Tell the world you like the show, and it helps us get in front of more people. Uh, And it just, doggone it, it just makes us feel good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So thanks so much for hanging with us. Uh, We'll be be back next week with another episode of Black History Month uh, on the Great Song Podcast. But until then, I'm Rob. And I'm JP. Go listen to some music.